Hello, and welcome to a Joyful Pause podcast. I am so excited for you to meet my guest today, Brooke Shannon Sullivan. She's my bestie, and um, she's also one of the most um, potent teachers and herbalists I know. So welcome, Brooke. Yay, thank you, Nicole. I'm so happy to be here with you. Yay, yay. All right, let me read your bio so folks know um, who they're listening to. So Brooke Sullivan is a C-I-A-Y-T and E-R-Y-T 500, a yoga therapist, a tantric herbalist, a writer, a retreat leader, a practitioner, and an educator of the science and philosophy of Sri Vidya Tantra. She is the director of the Wild Temple School of Yoga and Herbal Wisdom, and she leads yearly retreats to Ireland and India. And this is not in her bio, but she is an all-around badass. So thank you again (laughs) for being on. I'm so looking forward to talking to you about tantric herbalism. Um... The whole frame for this year's series um, on a Joyful Pause podcast is really just about emergence. Um, When we first began, we were kind of in the beginning of emerging from COVID, and now we're kind of in that in-between space where some of us are emerging and other places it's still pretty rough. And so all of the conversations I've had have just really been about how do we use these ancient streams of wisdom that are so timely for today? How do we use them in service of any rebuilding that needs to be done, any reimagining that needs to be done, any sustaining that needs to be done, and then anything that's just ready to go and it's time for it to be done and over so that something new can be born. And so when I think about tantric herbalism, I feel like it is a return to being in deep relationship with nature. That seems like definitely a medicine for our times. And I'd love to hear um, both how you define tantric herbalism and why you think it's something that's so useful for people today. Mm, Juicy. That's so full, and, and what a great question, what a great inquiry. Um, so I feel that this, if we would just start with your uh, topic on emergence and how it's possible after so much was um, broken down, really, and dismantled over the past year and more. And for me, that emergence really lies in feeling safe, Right. And it, it also lies in feeling that you have the capacity for um, being nourished in like a deep way within you to then be amongst the world without being taken down or swayed or broken apart even more. And so um, with this safety and with this nourishment, I really feel 
that's one of the avenues that I'm looking at tantric herbalism right now. And tantric herbalism, my goodness, it's this uh, kind of huge concept, but not really. It's my parallel studies of yoga, tantric yoga specifically of the Himalayan tradition with herbalism for the past 20 years, where I've found they've both are, they, they are both, um, you know, life sciences, they're so vast. But when you're looking at the basics of what Tantra is about, which is empowerment, um, its connection to source, its connection to nature, the herbs offer that too, right? Herbs, Mm -hmm. herbal use, right, is for empowering the vitality of your body, empowering the strength and focus of your mind. Spiritual herbalism is connecting more to the source within you and source all around you. And studying plants connects you to nature, right? So when you weave the two together, what I've found um, with Tantra specifically is as Tantra is a path for our awakening, both as an individual being into, you know, the best version of ourselves we can be, as well as collectively as a human race, right? How can we advance and move if we speak esoterically up into the higher chakras into higher vibrations um, but then also just advance as uh, better loving more connected more um, intelligent and conscious uh, uh, species really to thrive on this planet then the herbs support the tantra and the tantra supports the herbs it's just they go hand in hand and i think that when we define one definition of Tantra is the accelerated path. And what I've found in doing, I largely do apprenticeships. So on my teachings that I, that I share with people, that's all of this, you know, yogic study and practice. I'm also like brewing the teas and bringing in tinctures for people to meditate with or flower essences to, um, to meditate with and, and understand more around the subtle bodies when we bring these together that the understanding of what tantra is all about is illuminated and the goal at which we are trying to get to on the on the tantric path which is more empowerment (laughs) uh, stronger connection to source both within and outside of us strong connection to nature and our own evolution that is just it's accelerated it's reached more quickly and with a deeper understanding and in a way that brings me back to this emergence of we are safer when we do it wisely in this way and it offers nourishment when we when we bring in the plants into the tantric um, journey so i hope that wasn't too much of a spiral of an answer (laughs) no that was so helpful and i think um What I love about what you said is um, it's the weaving together of this path with supports that can help you both to navigate um, anything that comes up while you are learning these practices that help you to expand, learning these practices that help you to know your nature that help you to um, come into deeper relationship with with all that is really i love that there are 
different forms of support for that journey and that herbs can be one of those supports. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I love that you even chose that word. Um, well, weaving, of course, because we're weaving the two together, but support, because I've been doing this for a while and, you know, the past, literally the past 20 years, as I was a little baby budding herbalist, I was a little, <laughs> well, I had a, I, <laughs> I was a little baby budding yogi, I guess, and, um, and I was literally, I started them both in midwifery school, I was studying, um, the just how to be a midwife that wound up not being my path yoga became my path but that was the gateway into both yoga and herbs and <clears throat> even though I've been studying this for a very long time we don't have anyone really in art even in our tradition that's truly bringing this knowledge of how to work with plants for kundalini awakening we'll just i'm just going to call it out <laughs> um which you know which basically means uh awakening or activating that dormant force that lies within us that is that beautiful connection to source to our highest version of ourselves to um you know being better stewards of the planet and, and all that right that is the essence of kundalini awakening we don't have a um really a system that is being brought forward today taught by I'll use the term master teachers I know the word the term master is becoming antiquated or it's very charged for people so skillful teachers right um, that that can disseminate this knowledge and the reason being is that because in the ancient times people would work with um, these tantric practices and they would understand how powerful they were and then also know how powerful the herbs can be and how when we're working with certain plants you're really getting into people's psyches right and you're really able to um, you know if the person who is using these herbs or sharing these herbs with people doesn't have a very pure conscience or or kind heart right you can do harm it can manipulate people so they took this knowledge out of what's being handed down into our modern day and so um, mainly it's because of the use of entheogenic plants so that term for those people who don't know what that is is uh, like psychedelics it's working with mind altering substances to reach God and Theo, like this whole Theogen, I can't remember which part of it's broken down, but Theos probably, right? It means pl a plant that connects you to God or to source. And so when, again, when we have these very powerful plants that are shifting and altering our ability to see and to relate in the world via the mind, we have to make sure that the the mind is stable that the nervous system is strong and the person doing the guidance the guiding the guider the, the guide or the teacher actually again has good intentions and so right now we are in this kali yuga time we're in a very crazy time right now where a lot of our karmas have been built up and built up in a way that we're having to really reconcile them and um, and heal them and there is a lot of 
misuse of power and a lot of darkness in the world, a lot of stress and instability. So I think what it is is that the sages recognize that um, it's not really a time to be bringing forward the the like the psychedelic uses of plants with these ancient tantric teachings because that power put in the wrong hands can do a lot of damage however (laughs) to bring us back to your word support um, what i've realized is being my little nerdy budding herbalist self (laughs) on on the path of yoga i would just sit by the dandelion you know by the ginkgo trees that were growing and by sassafras trees, whatever I was sitting there and I was always getting this powerful download of what that plant kind of offers in the realm of bodily health, but also mental and spiritual attunement and, um, and support. Right. So I just started to dive into that. And what is what does that look like? What does that mean? And so in all of my notes, as you know, you and I have studied a lot together um, in all of our trainings, listening to, you know, this wonderful, these wonderful teachings of yoga. I have these notes in the margins of like these the flower. I do this little flower drawing and that's my reminder oh, of, oh, this yogic teaching right here is directly related to what I've learned from the plants. In, in my herbal studies or just literally sitting with the plant and learning from it directly. And so after doing this, I think, honestly, for about 15 years, this um, recent thing or this thing came forward and it was reading the Yoga Sutras by Pandit Rajmani Tiganaya and he's describing these different stages of samadhi, which is, you know, reaching self-realization or enlightenment. And the one called alambana samadhi actually means using or working with some kind of support to bring the mind, to give the mind um, as like both a, a focus, but also a bridge into that self-realization into that oneness or into that connection to source and so in our tantric tradition that alambana can be um, of a solid matter right so it can be a flame we're actually looking at a flame or it's a murti right a statue we have yantras so we'll look at yantras and that can be a source to meditate on where eventually you merge into that oneness and then we have subtle Alambana, subtle supports for the mind so that we can merge. And in our tradition, the main one is mantra. And so mantra, you know, Nicole, is just this uh, beautiful sound vibration, typically of a divine quality, right? And we dissolve our mind into that subtle sound until we are now no longer all of our mind stuff, all of our likes and dislikes and blah, blah, blahs, but instead we are this vibration of like love and empowerment or whatever that that uh, mantra is about and then through that even we even leave the mantra so to speak and then we dissolve into that oneness where where we are just one with all that is so what i've realized though is that in my study of herbology I am largely an energetic herbalist because I came in from this midwifery path through the gateway of homeopathics. 
And so mm-hmm. home- homeopathy, right, is a is a vibration, energetic medicine. And um, something very similar to that is flower essence therapy. So these were my passions, was really getting into the energetics of herbalism because they are more affecting the mind and the spirit than uh, directly the body like teas and tinctures do. Although I'm a, I'm a tea nerd too, I love teas. But um, my, my curiosity, I guess, at being a yogi was really along the, the, the realms of energetics. And so when I realized, oh, there's this whole plant world that has to do with energetics and the mind and spirit, right? That's what I fell in love with and started to study. And so I would find myself to get to know the plants meditating with their vibration. Mm-hmm. And this then translated into, oh yeah, I am using the energetic of the plants, the spirit of this plant, meditating on its particular unique vibration. And this is a support for my mind. And the more I work with this one plant, say it's um, uh, turmeric or even sandalwood, right? The more I just am in its essence and I release my mind, kind of surrender my mind to this plant's essence, the more I then just dissolve and then all of a sudden I'm merging into this oneness. And so I've actually reached samadhi or some level of samadhi (laughs) um, through the plants as often as I have through with mantra. So that's where tantric herbalism is coming from is recognizing that the plants are just these invaluable tools for not only our physical bodies to be strong enough to do these practices of yoga, but they are also gateways to the final stage of yoga, which is samadhi. That's wonderful. I love, um, I love how for you, it really was about the direct experience being able to meditate with, um, the plants led you to a deeper understanding of it. So you're weaving both um, the studies that you've done with your direct experience. And I think that's what makes your, um, your way so approachable. And I think the other thing that I heard that I really appreciated is using um, plant wisdom to support, um, I don't feel like you said the word, but it's what I heard. It sounds like using the plant's wisdom can support integrating some of these high experiences that sometimes what we see with um, folks who are using psychedelics is that they have a big kind of aha moment, but then it's hard to um, integrate that back into their daily life. And so it creates this need to keep doing that thing. So you have this expanded experience, but then sometimes there's this letdown of coming back to like, your regular existence and what it sounds like is advancing along the yogic path while also having the support of the plants allows you to integrate what's happening rather than having it be this kind of big moment and then it dissipates because there wasn't that that link back to integration. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Yeah. The, the mind expanding nature of working with mind altering substances, entheogens, psychedelics, things like that. You know, I think on, in some way it's very valuable, right? And especially I know there's this emerging field right now of working with entheogens in, in psychology and it's mm-hmm. proving very helpful for trauma therapy, for example, but it's done in a very strict setting that there it's a controlled setting there's a guide a person has to be prepared often there's fasting required there's you know a purification process that needs to happen and um and i think that you know when it's in those kind of sceneries with a a professional guide in that way there's not a lot of that manipulative factor of like, oh, and now I will have power over you vibe, you know? And so that's, I think, a pretty beautiful thing. We have the whole other side of things too, where, um, you know, I, I lived in California and a big thing on the scene, and it still is, is, you know, these ayahuasca ceremonies, San Pedro ceremonies, the, you know, the Native American church ceremonies, and um, and some of the people who find themselves involved with these scenarios realized that oh I wasn't ready for that like I didn't know what was going to happen and this thing happened and now my nervous system is blown out um mm-hmm. I'm a bit uh off in the head I'm not you know I, I'm more afraid now I don't really feel as strong as I used to you know and then there, there are all these things and yeah my experience was so big and I wasn't able to digest it really mm-hmm. and so I think that the the fiery quality of working with drugs is is really what we have to watch out for right too much fire can blow us out and blow us up and um, when we're working with Tantra and, and especially if we're yogis and we are on the path of yoga and get into these more advanced stages of Tantra, it actually can do a lot of damage to the nervous system and blow out um, aspects of our protection, right? Our, our energetic protection, our field or our aura that then make us susceptible to unwanted influences, other people's thoughts, um, you know, not just being as resilient as we could be in the world. and. Yeah, so I think what you, what you said too, right, it's this, um, if we are to have really strong spiritual experiences, it's so important to be able to integrate them in a manner that it contributes to our health, it contributes to a strong mind, it contributes to our safety, right, and, and nourishing our bodies and nourishing our communities and the world, right? And that I think is why when we work with plants in this way and Tantra in this way, this definitely helps us in, in what you're talking about, this realm of emergence, like the, the what is next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so talk to me a little bit about how um, using plants in the way that you do can support someone in more fully embracing their wholeness? Mm. I guess it depends on the person, but there are so many different ways. (laughs) Um, I'll share with you right now something that I'm working on, a project I'm working on 
in tantric herbalism, and it's part of something I'm calling the yogi's apothecary. And it's based off of a, uh, let's say like a branch of yoga, a, a certain methodology handed down by the Himalayan sages called Sandhya Yoga. And this is a form of kundalini yoga that's based off of this coded language called Sandhya. And you know this, Nicole, but I'll just say this, you know, to be clear for the listeners. Um, but Sandhya is known as the twilight language. It's this beautiful, liminal, mysterious understanding of, of the world in this um, behind-the-scenes way. And how they delineated their understanding was based off of this, this language in a code that used the symbols of sun, moon, and fire. And so sun namely was referring to the energy, the prana, right? The vital life force energy that gives us our, our oomph and vigor and really breath in the world. <laughs> and then the, the lunar concept or branch is everything relating to the mind, um, even perspective and how perspective, like we learn from Sri Vidya Tantra, is really a 360 degree view, right? Depending on what day, what mood, what season, who you're talking to, you know, the, the perspectives can shift. So this is definitely the this lunar understanding of mind in the realms of yoga and awakening. And then we have fire, which in Tantra is divinity. It's source consciousness, it's love, it's passion, it's that creative desire that moves through us. And so the sages realize that we can practice in a way um, that brings us from yogic practitioners into kundalini yoga practitioners, so dedicated to our own advancement and spiritual awakening through a particular methodology that we can um, make sure that we're doing it safely, wisely, and effectively. And so I would say, I think you asked something along the lines of like, what is what how does it support wholeness? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's really helpful, especially for practitioners, but also even for non-practitioners to understand this system because it helps to, for me, um, particularly categorize things and understand like, all right, well, I'm waking up today and I have to go to the airport and my mind is all over the place and you know, I've already lost my keys five times. <laughs> I'm a bit stressed out, you know. <laughs> so what would be my focus, right? Well, I wouldn't want to focus on solar practices or solar herbs or things that are bringing in more energy and more light and more vitality. I would need to focus on my mind. I would need to focus on, you know, let me get on my cushion or my mat. Let me do some breathing practices that calm down my nervous system, that de-stress my body and my mind and bring myself into more clarity so I can find my freaking keys <laughs> so I can slow down and get on that airplane without any more obstacles, right? Um, you know, so it can be used in a very practical way. It's definitely something that is very helpful for our advanced practitioners because I don't think there is a lot of guidance out there for advanced practitioners. And so 
when I'm working in this um, tantric herbalism thing with the yogi's apothecary, I'm just basing it off of these concepts where um, even before we look at moon, sun, and fire, so the mind, the, the vital energy, and the divinity, right, that we want to eventually really be able to tap into and sense and feel. Before we even get to all of that stuff, we need to look at what I'm calling earth practices or bumi sadhana. And bumi means earth or foundational sadhana or your practices. And um, what I'm doing with this is just bringing the herbs in a way that can support lifestyle and start to teach people about the Ayurvedic approaches for living in balance with the seasons, in balance with your own constitution, like really understanding your own nature, mm-hmm. um, and you know, working with your senses in a way that you're not overusing or underusing or misusing your senses, because that's one of our main causes of illness. So, just to give you one. Uh, clearer image of what I just said again. So basically in this Sandhya Yoga twilight language world that I'm talking about right now or yoga that I'm talking about, I would preface this with this kind of Ayurvedic herbal understanding of a practice called Bhumi Sadhana. And so this is where I really believe we have to first start with our wholeness. And our wholeness on a spiritual path as yogis or whatever it is that's going to be bringing in more vital force, vital life energy through breathing practices, you know, whatever spiritual practices, even meditation, even mind, you know, practices that are dedicated to balancing the mind, all of this to connect to source or God, all of these need to be prefaced with the basics, mm-hmm. If right? So if we don't have that Um, strong nervous system, if we don't have a good digestive system, if we are still living in a very stressful manner, if we're not sleeping, if we're not eating right and we're not being nourished, then we can just throw yoga out the window. You know, like the more we practice, the more we're just going to butt our heads up against obstacles and it can actually do harm because we we will we will be unleashing all of these energies like mental energies vital you know deep dormant energies kundalini stuff you know all of this is going to start to awaken and we won't have that foundation that we need for that um, to be done in a safe nourishing holistic way and so in that respect to you know whoever whoever I'd be talking to right now, whether it's the lay person or uh, somebody who is just beginning their study of yoga or someone who is in an advanced stage of yoga, I would say that wholeness definitely comes from just starting with the basics. Make sure you're eating well and digesting well and eliminating well. Make sure that you're sleeping well, that your stress is diminished, right, and that your body systems are functioning optimally for you to be able to begin the yogic practices of meditation and um, yeah, pranayama, asana, all of those things. And so how I would look at that with, with herbs is actually with tonics, 
right? So a lot of it with tonics and with food, uh, like herbal foods, things that are really safe, <laughs> because a lot of our herbs even are very drying, and a lot of our herbs are very complex that they can also create havoc if you don't know what you're doing. So it would be really, I think, very mo the most useful for people who are starting on an herbal path to first start with just your spices. Get to know cumin, get to know yes. coriander, right? You know, yeah. Um, yes. Really get into some kitchen alchemy and play with you know all the different spices that you want to and the different foods and and bask in their taste. Notice their energetic effects. How do you feel after just having a little dab of cayenne? <laughs> you know, versus how do you feel after having a clove? You know, what does it do? You get you know you get these immediate responses if you're just to turn to tune in and to listen and to feel and the body is so intelligent it'll tell you like uh-uh nope don't do that one again <laughs> or not this right now not the right time for this or yes i'm hungry for that give me more of that yeah so that's that's where i would say that's where our wholeness needs to begin it needs to begin in the kitchen with our sleep with our digestion making sure we're pooping all those good things. Yeah. Oh, yes. You are speaking my language. I feel like it is about the basics. You know, everybody wants to be doing these high practices. Um, but if there's not that core experience of inner well-being and stability, good luck. You know, so it's like regardless of... For folks, I have no idea who listens to this. I think it's a mixture of like my friends, um, many of whom are not yogis, and then my yoga peeps. I feel like it's probably split down the middle. Um, so, But this part is super useful for folks who don't really care about yoga. They're curious about spirituality. Yes to the basics. And so um, in addition to, and I know that you're um, about to be an Ayurvedic health counselor. Yay! Um, and you know, when I have been seeing clients, it always comes down to teaching them about some of the things that are right there in their kitchen cabinet that can really support their digestion, that can really support making sure they get all six tastes in their diet. Um, and so, yeah, just co-signing on, you know, these supports that we think of as so basic but if it was really basic we wouldn't need to talk about it because everybody would be sleeping everybody would be pooping everybody would automatically have all six tastes in their diet because they would know to cook that way right um and so it's like nope it's i always find this tension of like but i want to know this thing it's like yes go learn that but at the same time like look at your foundation if your foundation is strong then all of those things that you are going to be learning are going to be so of service to you and so of service to everyone who comes into contact with you. And if your foundation is not strong, then the way that you digest that may, you know, not be so easeful. And there's no, you know, I still also believe, given that we both were two people who kind of got right on the rocket ship <laughs> early and then came back to basics, um, that's part of why I think I'm so obsessed with basics, you know, is like having some of these 
experiences that were so sublime and then also being like, huh? You know, and ultimately um, being able to make more sense of some of that once that mind was calmer, once the digestion was taken care of, once there was a daily routine, um, all of those things really were a support. So in thinking about, um, let's talk a little bit more about digestion. It looks like your new offering starts with the belly. And I just love that. Tell us more about how, you know, from an Ayurvedic perspective, um, every it's all about the digestion, right? It's all about our ability to actually take in nourishment from our food, have it feed the elements in us, have it feed the tissues in us. Um, but tell us more about why you chose to start this program with the belly. Ooh, yummy. Okay. Yeah. It's, uh, I think it's, it's, the beginning as well as it's the end all, right? When we go back to the Sandhya Yoga, the fire is located in the belly. That's kind of like the goal. That's the God we're reaching towards. And so, you know, we could literally find the God in our belly button if we just keep on <laughs> going through that. Um, but yeah, I think the, you know, the wisdom sciences all have that in common where Tantra Yoga and Ayurveda are all really starting us at the navel center. And so that's where my yogi's apothecary begins. And, you know, the beauty of it is too, where um, it's not just talking about the herbs and diet, but it's pause, do some abdominal breathing, allow your microbiome to have room to adjust to the moment, right? So when we think of like our microbiome, it's crazy cool. We've, I've been doing a lot of work with uh, ancestral healing. And part of what our ancestral lineage is, is the microbiome we've inherited from our ancestors, right? From where they've lived in the land and what foods they've eaten. And then the health of our own mothers as they gave birth to us, because that largely... Um, that is largely where the health of our microbiome is, as well as if we were breastfed or not, right? So all of these are um, huge as in, in consideration to the health of our digestive system, our mental health, and our, our ability to really integrate and assimilate life. And so the, the microbiome is a big piece, um, learning how, you know, specifically foods like cooking with ghee is clarified butter, right? It has this constituent in it that is food for the villi, those little hairs of the microvilli of your intestines. So it is like the number one intestinal lining healer, gut food. And a second one is bone broth. And so when we bring those two in, that really helps with convalescence. It helps with, you know, if you just have a pattern of getting sick all of the time or need to jumpstart your system in a way that you feel more healthy. Um, those are really good go-tos, especially even right now. We're recording this in the fall time of year. So this transitional time, we need more strength for our um in our digestive system, which has 70% of our immune system located in that intestinal lining, right, or in the, in, the, in the gut, basically. And so 
when we are entering here in in the belly we are working with yeah foods such as the ghee and the bone broth we're working with what i call the eating according to your anjali i learned this from mother maya bri maya tawari of the wise earth ayurveda path and it's basically um you know if you were to place your hands at your heart in prayer and then open them up like a bowl keeping your fingers together that's about the size of your stomach and so when your um, plate of food <laughs> is like your salad alone is that large and then maybe you have a huge piece of protein and then a huge bowl of vegetables on side outside of that you know it's just too much at one sitting for your stomach to digest and so that then creates this um, you know just a jam really in the belly and so when we and often we haven't been taught how to eat right how to eat proportionally how to combine our foods correctly how to chew our foods not watch tv or get on tiktok or whatever while we're while we're eating <laughs> um all of these then because we're doing it all wrong is creating a society where i think digestive issues are some of our number one um, issues that are creating disease, right? And we have ulcer, ulcerative—I can never say that word—IBS, uh, <laughs> ulcerative colitis. I think I'm saying that wrong. Um, the uh, Crohn's disease, gas, heartburn, ulcers—all of it, you know. And when we have gotten to that scenario, the the modern Western modality is here, I'll just give you a pill, give you Tums, uh, let's just cut it out, right? Let's put you in surgery, we'll take out part of your intestines. So this is where I'm bringing in tantric herbalism where it's like, all right, let's work with the plants actually, plants as tonics, plants that can do no harm or if they have a couple of things to watch out for, these are called contraindications or precautions, you note them. They're kind of like when you're taking a pharmaceutical and there's this whole list of negative effects, right? That you don't want blood clots and brain damage and all this stuff from taking this pharmaceutical. The plants are so much more gentler on the body system because they are complete systems in and of themselves. So they often will have a constituent in them that regulates what may cause us an imbalance. For example, there's a plant called meadowsweet, and um, this is a plant that has salicylic acid in it. It's the same derivative of aspirin, right? So it is a pain reliever. And meadowsweet is used for IBS, for, um, digestive issues such as gas, bloating, uh, inability to digest food, pains, griping, cramping, all that stuff. You can take Meadowsweet for gut issues and not only does it help heal um, your inability to digest by stimulating digestive juices, by enhancing your digestive capacity, but it also acts as a pain reliever. Whereas some people are taking just the pain reliever via say aspirin for their belly issues and that's causing gut inflammation and all kinds of negative side effects. So when we are in this realm of seriously not understanding how our bodies are functioning, not doing the basics, we've done 
the wrong things for so long that now we are in um, more detrimental states of ill health and ill balance, that's when the herbs, I feel, are doing the tantric thing, <laughs> where they're coming in kind of like these accelerators of, all right, let's just, whoop, let's help this, let's get you back into gear as an alabana, as a support, right, to get you there. But in the meantime, adjust your freaking diet, get to bed earlier, you know, do these things too. And that's where the holism comes. I don't think we should even be addicted to our herbs, but they do offer incredible support to get us where we need to be so that we can cleanse the tissues of the toxins, strengthen the systems, specifically this first one, the digestive system, and then, um, and then relax us so that we can uh, deal with all of this, um, what becomes stress because we haven't been able to integrate it, which is life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yum. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us about tantric herbalism. Um, I have definitely benefited over the years from um, flower essences and tinctures that you've made that have helped me at different junctures when I needed um, some support. So anyone who's listening, um, if you'd like to learn how to work with herbs in this way, Brooke is your person. But before we share your website so people can find you, I want to ask you the question that I ask everyone that comes on this podcast, um, always wanting to make sure we end on a note of the collective. So for you, um, what is our collective liberation? What does that look like? Oh, it's a good one. Hmm. I think it's diving headfirst into connection. So by that, I feel the more we can connect to ourselves, really understand who we are, the more we can weed out the toxic part of ourselves and enhance the really juicy, nice, loving, good parts of ourselves. Um, and this will then enable us to connect more to others, right, in a way that we can do so fearlessly, authentically, um, lovingly, and, you know, in all of our perfect imperfections, right? And all of this will then connect us to nature, the planet, the earth, and in doing that, we will become better stewards. We'll, we'll learn how to care one again for each other. And all of this will help us connect to source, which, you know, whatever term we use, it's um, divine mother, right? God or goddess, whatever, love, higher reality. Yeah, so I would say that connection is, is what I'm personally really striving for these days because it feels so easy to disconnect and... Um, feel that we're alone right and feel less than and I don't know and just to go into all of the the negative shadowy sides of the collective consciousness and I think it takes courage and bravery but I think it's connection is what we need mm, yum love that may it be so did you did you already do that answer what's yours Oh, I think I haven't done it in a while. 
Um, ooh. Yeah, I think it's each of us realizing our true nature, which is wonderful and vast and divine. And yes, there are elements of ourselves that maybe sometimes aren't so skillful, but even being able to love and accept those as a pathway toward releasing the grip on them and building the opposite energy, that feels to me like each of us doing that is the ripple that helps us to change the world. Because as long as we're going, oh, it's that over there, well, then that over there is saying the same thing about us. And so that's kind of where I feel like we find ourselves today, as opposed to doing that inner work, each of us, um, and then letting that ripple out into the change that we want to see. So the both and of the individual work supporting the collective work and the collective inspiring people who maybe didn't heed the call for change to actually now heed the call, that pulsation feels to me like what will bring us into our shared liberation. Mm, I love that. Thank you for asking me. No one ever does that. I like it. I like it. So for folks who um, heard everything that Brooke said and are curious to learn more, you can find her at her website, thewildtemple.com. And there you'll be able to learn more about her approach to tantric herbalism, um, the various programs that she has supporting people and learning about tantra and in learning about herbs and, and how to put those together. So check her out. And my friend, oh, it was so good to be with you in like podcast land. Right? Yeah. Thank you. It's a whole new island. It's a whole new island, yeah. We can nerd out about some other stuff. Um, that would be really fun too. Maybe next time we'll nerd out about Ayurveda together. I'm so down. I'm ready to be a nerd with you anytime, just so you know. Yeah. Yes. And I would like to add too that people can find me on Instagram. I'm I'm getting more and more vocal there, so that that would be a nice just the wild temple. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you listeners for spending this last almost hour with us and go forth and be well. <laughs> <laughs>